Welcome to the Startup Launchpad Podcast. I'm your host, Pearl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Um, so today we're talking about turning creative ideas into innovative products in emerging markets. And um, today we've got quite a few people here with us. Okay, so um, we have so we ha- have um, some main speakers and then we also have some panelists who would weigh in as the conversation goes along. Um, so we have um, Dami. Dami is the founder of Scooks. I'll let Dami talk about that a little bit. And then we have Nathan. Nathan is the founder of Class. And then we also um, have two more people joining. We have Chooks, the founder of Film Anatomy, and we have Nathaniel, the founder of Literal. So I guess they may be having technical issues or something, but they'll join us afterwards. So, um, okay, I see Chooks is here. And Chooks has joined. Um, All right. So that's great. So welcome, everyone. Um, We also have Cynthia. Um, Cynthia is also a panelist, and she will be weighing in on some of the things that we're talking about. So as I mentioned, we are talking about turning creative ideas into innovative products in emerging markets. And I expect it to be like a really, really great um, conversation. So... um, so basically, um, let's start out by talking about innovative products. So before we're talking about how we can um, go into from creative ideas to innovative products, um, I would like to ask like all of our speakers, um, I will give them a chance to, I think all of them have pretty innovative products in their own fields. And I'm going to give um, them a chance to talk about that and how they went from idea to product and what they are doing right now. But I think we'll start off by what makes a product innovative. So I would like to hear like each of y'all's um, perspectives on what actually makes a product innovative. Um, we have products who are, that are just in the marketplace and it's just, eh, but what makes a product innovative in your perspective? So I'm going to start off with Dami. All right. Thank you for, um, for that. Yeah. So in my own opinion, um, what makes a product innovative is um, its ability to actually first of all, solve the user's um, problem. So for every um, product that is out there, there needs to be a problem that that solution or that particular product is providing a solution to, right? So that's the first thing. Is it solving a problem? The next thing is um, how much of an impact is it making as well? Um, so there are some problems that will probably be minute and the users can always find their way around it. And there are some that are super huge. So um, the solution you're providing, the impact it's making on that particular user, like how huge is it? Yeah, so those are my major two points. Thanks. Great. That makes so much sense. And these two points, is it solving a problem? And then how big is the problem I'm solving? What is the yep. impact on the user? So that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Okay, so let's go over to Charles. All right, thank you. Uh, I mean, in terms of innovation, innovation basically involves doing something different, um, making changes in the way something is being done. So if we're talking about an innovative product, it's one that um, seeks to solve a problem in a different way. 
Um, usually when there are like incumbents, there are existing ways that that problem is being dealt with. Uh, maybe someone then figures out a way to solve the problem better or to solve the problem faster or to solve the problem um, cheaper. Um, but innovation always comes with a different way or a different approach at solving a problem or addressing an issue. Thank you. Great, thanks. I like that perspective. Um, Chooks. Uh, good evening, everybody. Hi. Good evening. So I think I think like I think they've said everything really. The only thing I feel we can add to innovative solutions would be um, what story is around that innovation. So how 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 unique you know how unique it is and how it came up. You know, so I'll use an, I'll use for instance an example. If you're developing something within the tech ecosystem and you're solving a problem in a region that, you know, naturally doesn't have the tech infrastructure. So it becomes innovative because, you know, the space where you're developing this idea doesn't have the infrastructure for it or the structure to support it, but you somehow came up with it. So I think the story around it tells how innovative the solution is. All right, great. And I think that's also like a very good um, perspective in terms of like, it may not be a, an entirely new idea, but it's different to your to this market. And it's like Charles also said, it's a different approach to what is the norm in this environment. So that's great. Um, Zan, do you have anything to add to that before we check if Nathan can speak now? I, I think a lot of it has been captured. And I think um, the for me, the perspective to innovation is actually... Um, bringing a different, um, a fresh approach to an existing market or an existing, you know, solution that exists. And just, you know, let me say like yellow cab always existed before Uber actually came on the scene. You know, that is innovation. You know, and there's so many other things that we can actually look at in existing markets and bring it a different way. And finally, adopters that will love the solution that is um, you bring it out to the market. So I think that kind of like captures it, just coming up behind everyone. All right, great, great. Um, okay, so um, so let's get back to the creative ideas. And I think it all starts with an idea. And I think um, ideas, everything starts with an idea. And so the question I would have is, what is the process um, in everyone's perspective of going from idea to innovative product? And the reason being that um, ideas are everywhere. And as one idea is hitting you, the other, another, the same idea could be hitting someone else. But it is the process you take from when that idea hits you, you um, recognize a problem in the market and you have an idea of how to solve it. How do you go from that idea that you have to actually getting a an innovative, viable product in the marketplace. And we have some like really brilliant people on the call today. And so I would ask you to like, what is your, what are your thoughts on that? And also like citing your, um, um, your company as a um, case study, because I think everyone basically, we thought that there was something very, very innovative in the way that you were approaching the problem you're solving in your market. And so we'd like to hear what you think about that and how that worked in your particular story. So I think I will start off um, okay, I don't see Nathan on the call. So I think I'll start off with Dami again. Yeah. All right. 
Yes. So I'm just going to use cooks as a um, case study while I'm like taking the the process on how it went for me. So basically, um, when I got the idea, um, in as much as yes, the business model. Okay. Like, so Dami, can you yeah? can you do us a favor? Can you do me a favor? Can you first say, okay, so Scooks, this is the idea, this is the problem that we're solving, and then you can go from creative idea to problem, so that everybody kind of knows, yeah. All right. Okay then. Yeah. So Scooks is um an e-learning platform, an online learning platform where children aged five to eighteen years can get access to several courses on technology and creative skill. So now not just technology skills like the coding, design, animation and the likes, we also have creative skills like the photography, the catering, the art. Yeah. So the 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 um the problem that started all of this off is the fact that in Nigeria or Africa at large, our education system is not improving as much as it should. Like we are basically let's say stagnant. Um, our curriculum doesn't change or improve. And even as the digital age keeps um, improving and a whole lot of people keep embracing technology, our schools are not embracing all of that as much as they should and they're not including it into the curriculum. Um, so if you look at the next five to 10 years, think about it. Um, it means like the number of unemployed individuals would increase because if you finish school and you still do not have the necessary skills um, to get a job, to remain relevant in a society, then you just fall into the section of all unemployed Nigeria youth. So I thought to myself, okay, we need to start from our foundation. Um, that's the primary, that's the secondary schools and just give them access to these 21st century skills that they need. Yeah, so um, when the idea dropped, um, it came from a personal story. I had that challenge because after I finished my university, I studied computer science. Um, but even after four years in university, I still came out and I'm like asking myself, okay, how do I fit in to the job market, um, right? So when I thought about it and I thought about, okay, how many people could actually still be facing this kind of problem? I said, let me solve it. So the first thing I did was to, um, which is the first step you always take when you get an idea, um, is first of all to check or ask your users, ask your customers. Your customers should always come first. Don't go start with, oh, I want to build a company first or I want to start hiring people. The first thing is, um, ask your customers, just try to being able to like validate, okay, is this actually a problem, right? So once you understand that, okay, this is actually a problem they're facing, then you can now start brainstorming on possible solutions that um, they would like, then share some of those solutions with them. So depending on whichever solution they probably then pick, um, you can then start by, okay, um, building a small prototype or sketching a couple of things down and then um, testing and testing continuously. Um, developing an MVP is is um, also very important. And when I say MVP, it doesn't necessarily need to be like a full-fledged like tech product or mobile app or or all of that. And an MVP is, is simply okay. What can you start doing um, to get users to start paying you for that particular? solution you're providing for instance um yeah so if um so probably you don't have the mobile app yet can you start utilizing something like excel sheets or something like that to 
okay, gather data and do all of that. So like how fast can you put something together, right, that they can actually start using um, as a solution to that problem, right? And then you're getting um, feedback, you're getting revenue and all of that in that process, right? And once you're able to do that and you've been able to validate, okay, this particular thing works now, how can I then innovate it um, with the technology resources that are available? Yeah, um, so that was what I did, basically. Then afterwards, being able to um, just try to sit down and then come up with a like business model canvas around the whole um, product, right around the whole product and being able to strategically segment, okay, who exactly is my market? So that is um, very important. Um, most of the time we make a mistake of saying that, oh, everybody is our user or everybody is my audience, right? Being able to segment that. Um, so yes, I'll just pause um, here for now um, so that um, I can give others the opportunity to speak. Thank you. Yeah, those are some pretty, pretty good points, Dami. Thanks a lot. Um, Nathan, could you do? Can you, are you able to speak now? Do you want to tell us a little bit of your process from idea to um, innovative products? Okay, so let me jump over to Chooks before I um, go to Cynthia. So um, I see a few people have joined the call since we started. Welcome, everyone. We're talking about turning creative ideas into innovative products in emerging markets. And right now we're discussing what exactly, how do you go from idea to product? And we're hearing from different people who have been able to do just that, go from creative idea to innovative products in um, our market. So, um, Chooks, what are your thoughts on the process from idea to innovative products? Yeah, thank you. So, um, Film Anatomy is the company I run. Right. And in film anatomy, we design and manufacture film equipment using advanced manufacturing techniques like uh, 3D printing, CNC milling, laser cutting, you know, basic fourth uh, revolution uh, manufacturing techniques. Right. However, Africa has a unique, you know, has a unique pr uh, problem in terms of the, the how the creative industry works. Africa's problems are quite unique. So for film anatomy, we needed to deploy, you know, certain standard processes, you know, to solve Africa's problem. You know, the first the first of first on the list was to, you know, identify that there's actually a problem, like Dami said. You know, so yes, there's a problem. Africa has a huge market for the creative industry, photography, filmmaking, video on demand. However, you know, the operators within that space can't really harness the, you know, power within that market. So for me, personally, having a background in film, I started off as a videographer, graphics editor, visual effects, you know, so I played in this space for a while as an active filmmaker. So I was making movies, I was uh, uh, producing content, you know, and I, and I, and I faced very, very serious problems with providing, uh, with, uh, you know, access to the right equipment to tell the stories. So it was a personal thing for me. However, it wasn't so easy 
until I started deploying the process of design thinking. So I had to really calm down and understand how the design thinking process works. Because to move from an idea to a product, there's a long journey. So with design thinking, it's a process of solving a problem by actually prioritizing the consumers or the customer's needs above everything else. So you are empathizing, you are sitting down with the customer. In this case, um, I was a filmmaker, so it was more like I was sitting down with myself to solve, to understand how to solve my problems, right? So, um, yeah, with, with the traditional design thinking, the first thing you do is you empathize, you try to understand the problem, then you define that problem. So for me, I made up my mind and I said that, okay, so the reason why I'm having poor quality productions Sorry, can anybody hear me? I need to confirm that I'm still up. Loud and clear. Yep, yep. Okay. So after understanding that truly I have a problem, I needed to define that problem. So this problem that I have now, what is it? You know, so that process for me meant that I needed to meet other filmmakers to hear from their mouth. So I had my problem. I knew I knew how to define, I knew I knew what I the problems I was facing, but I needed to hear from other filmmakers. So I'm Chooks. What, what's your name? I'm James. You're a filmmaker. Nice to meet you. What problems do you do you face in your filmmaking journey or in your filmmaking process? Ah, I have this problem with my light, my lighting stand. I have this problem with this. So at that point, I could find out the problems that were, you know, similar to mine. So out of 20 filmmakers, we probably have 19 that have the same problem. So in that process, you are defining what the problem you're about to solve is. That now takes you to the next process, which is the ideation stage. So after you have defined it, you're now you know, coming up with an idea that can solve that problem you, you, you have already defined. right? So that process for me um, took a long time because I needed to actually understand how manufacturing works. I'm creating a, a solution now which means I'm manufacturing something that would solve a problem, right? So I had to, you know, take up, uh, sorry, what's what's the word now? I had to take up uh, apprenticeship jobs with seasoned filmmakers, you know, people that own manufacturing plants. Um, You know, I even went for DG Garage program where they taught us how advanced manufacturing works, how it would impact our business. So that, that that was the longest stage for me in my design thinking process uh, period. You know, take up courses online. You probably wouldn't even finish some of the courses, you know, but you just learn and, and you grow. Then the next stage, after understanding how, you know, how, how to solve the problem, coming up with a solution, you need to prototype. You know, and with prototyping, you're spending your money you're not, you probably don't have an investor or you probably don't have anybody to support you. You're spending your own money. So I was shooting movies, making content. And when I get revenue from that process, I move it into buying raw materials to try out stuff and just have a prototype. You know, so at this point, I was moving closer to my MVP stage where I'll have, like Dami said, a minimum viable product, something that I can start with and say, okay, this is this, this is the, um, the base solution I have for this problem, can you test it out? That now moves you to the next stage of design thinking, which is testing. So all of these five, six points I I, I mentioned now, 
are, they are very, very critical to actually understanding how your problem, how to solve a problem. Let's leave the market. Let's leave all of those things because right now there's a lot of emerging, emerging markets now. And with emerging markets, you probably don't have enough data, you know, because these markets are emerging. It's very volatile. Everybody's just trying out something. Okay, it works fine. It doesn't work. So you probably will be building your data as you run. So if you understand and empathize with the problem, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to solve. I'll probably talk about other things later, but I think I should just leave it the way it is for now. Thanks, Jukes. Very, very great points. And I'm seeing a lot of like parallels. And um, yeah, even though there's like no one size fits all, there are a lot of parallels and there are some like basic steps that you need to take. Um, okay, so Cynthia, let me go to you. Um, you talked to a lot of startups um, with the work you do as a startup advisor. Um, what do you think in your perspective is, are those steps needed to go from idea to um, creative product, um, innovative product, sorry. All right, thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, just to confirm, you can hear me clearly, right? Yep, we can hear you loud and clear. So, um, you know, just making reference to what you said, you know, I, I work with a, a, a lot of startups, right, across incubators and accelerators. And if there's anything I've learned from not just working with them, I also um, host a podcast, Startup Stories with Cynthia, where I talk about stories. I, I enjoy stories, right? So I always look forward to reading and learning more about startups that have existed in the past um, years, right? So and if there's anything I've learned from interacting with every of these wonderful stories is, you know, everybody gets there in like, really interesting ways, right? Um, if you take, for example, Letterman Tools, um, he had the idea during the war, I think that's World War World War Two, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So he had the idea because, you know, he, he went to fight on behalf of his country. He had the idea for like a pocket uh, tool that, you know, those pockets, uh, you can have like pocket knife, you can have a screwdriver, you can have like three or five different tools in just one, like a bunch, a really compact bunch. And that was the idea. A rough sketch, he created a prototype and all of that. But um, for it to turn into like an innovative product, right? An innovative product in the sense where it's providing value to customers and customers are willing to pay. It took, it took him over 15 years for him to actually turn that idea that he had. Um, he got rejections. It... I think one of the things I've seen with every every of these stories is every of these stories is that you know time time is a major factor, right? Chance and opportunity is also another factor, right? Because a lot of people have they have ideas. You, you're not the first person, and you definitely will be the last person that will think about something that has to do with a particular customer, you know. And there are processes and there are tools out there, models, frameworks that are fantastic. But I think there's also the factor of time and opportunity, right? Um, the fact that um, the founder of Snapchat, you know, was born into an amazing family. He had the opportunity of funds, right? The fact that Bill Gates' father is a well-known lawyer um, in, his, in his own field, right? Not just a very well-respected lawyer, right? Is an, another interesting opportunity, right? There's this book um, that I love so much. For some reason, I can't remember the name, but I remember it. But what the book was basically saying is that every single person has that 
unique advantage. Yeah, I remember unfair advantage, right? So everybody has, you have in one way. Cynthia, I think we, Cynthia may be talking and may not be hearing. Okay, so we're trying to get her back on. Um, welcome to everyone who has just joined. We're talking about turning creative ideas into innovative products. Um, if you've got a question, definitely stick around till the end and we'll reach out. We'll take a few questions at the end. Um, okay, so I would try to get um, Cynthia back online. Yeah, while we try to get Cynthia back online, Karen, do you have any thoughts on um, how turning innovative and um, creative ideas into innovative products? You also work with a lot of startups, especially in the legal space. And what have you seen has is usually the um, winning factor or the winning factors that are on people who make it and those who actually make it to innovative products that are actually making an impact in the community. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Um, I apologize for the sound in my background. Um, so, yeah, like Pearl said, I work with some startups. And again, I don't also want to... I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay, great, great. So I don't want to sound like that person that always, you know, comes to speak about legal. I apologize if anyone feels <laughs> that way. But... Um, so for me, like one way that, you know, you find um, founders, you know, just turning their ideas to innovative products that eventually just, you know, gain that traction and um, continue to exist, you know, in, in the market, right, is obviously just ensuring that they're, they're covered legally, right? And the reason why I say this is because, I mean, there's one, there's one thing to, you know, start and there's one thing to, you know, sustain yourself towards growth, right? And I, to, I'm not trying to sound a bit um, close-minded towards other ways that you can obviously, you know, um, launch an innovative product into a market that would, that would just, you know, continue to flourish, right? No, but I will speak about this because I've also seen situations where people just feel like, oh yeah, let's just start and we would just see how it goes. Of course, that's how startups um, pretty much are. Like you start and then like take it off from there. But one way that I would say you can actually, you know, um, um, launch products that are innovative and actually, you know, just solving a problem and actually staying in the market um, for a long time and not, you know, um, fizzing out is by ensuring that you're covered legally. For starters, you find that some some founders, you know, start uh, a business and um, start their company and build products and the basic things are not being, you know, protected. For example, like they're not registered yet, but you probably see them making noise on Twitter, right? They've already started. They already have their logo. They have their, their website probably running. They already have like a mobile app or, yeah, that people can, that's limited in its functions, but at least people can use um for some time before they you know, start to include features and upgrades and all of that, right? And when you actually go back, you see that these guys haven't even registered. Some of them don't even have like their IP registered as well. And that is already a problem, right? I, I mean, I, it's great that people have great ideas. It's amazing that you build great products. But if you actually want to stay in the market that you're serving, then you need to obviously ensure that you're, Everything, you dot your I's and cross your T's as it pertains to legal. Because the truth is, 
we we let's speak about Nigeria, for example. Please um, forgive me if I say anything that might be triggering to anyone here. Um, but um, the truth is, we live in a country where um, when young people sort of like start things and create things, you know, um, the the environment is not very encouraging to an extent as compared to developed countries, right? So our environment is not is not very encouraging. That's one. Um, this and I mean because of that, right? It's easy to just say, oh, um, well, these guys are, these guys are trying to stifle um, my progress or or we're not gaining traction because of this and because of that. Um, we found that's happening a lot, you know, or we found um, um, fintech startups, you know, speaking about this, especially with uh, the new CBN regulations, you know, that came out and all of that, right? And that's totally understandable. But what's worse is when you started something and the basic things that you're supposed to do in terms of legal, you haven't done these things already. You're already starting, you're, you've started just to fail, right? And then some people say, oh, okay, we will start and then, we will sort these things out later, right? Which is totally understandable because, I mean, when you start, you're probably bootstrapping. You haven't really gotten family and friends to come on board yet um, on your product or that idea that you have, right? But then you also find that there are people who have started and in the process of, you know, starting and just running along with things, someone else has come and they've taken their idea. I mean, just recently we had an issue um, uh, we had an, well, I wouldn't say we had an issue because it was not my personal issue, but like there was something that came up on Twitter, you know, where someone, you know, called someone else out for um, pretty much just copying their entire products, right? And, you know, it's like copy and paste pretty much, right? Um, I mean, situations like this, what just happened was that there was a call out on Twitter and I, I don't know what else is going to happen beyond that, right? But if there's, you know, IP registration set in place for the original owner of that work, right? Then you find that you can actually sue this person that has copied your work um, to, to, to obviously recover damages and all of that, right? But if you are not covered legally, then you would not have the mouth to talk. It's just like saying he will come to equity must come with clean hands, right? If you haven't done your own bit, then you cannot expect anyone to come and stand for you. So I would, I think, um, to avoid, avoid rambling, right? Um, to you know, to turn your ideas, your your creative ideas into innovative products, right? That will stand the test of time, right? You just need to ensure that everything legal is covered. I mean, look at Facebook, right? There was an issue with the founders of Facebook. One person saying, "Oh, it was my idea, this one and that one." So you don't want a situation where you know, say after some months of oppression, somebody is coming up to say this or this one is happening or this um, regulatory body is chasing you to do this, or you probably haven't paid tax and then um, your, your doors are shut, uh, are shut on you and things like that. So in summary, just do everything that you need to get done pertaining to legal to ensure that you're covered so that what you can then focus on is the actual building of your products, um, getting that traction that you need and just weathering the storm in terms of the unfavorable Nigerian market that we have. <laughs> great, thanks. And Karen, it's always great to hear from a legal perspective because I do I, I understand what you mean in terms of like while we're creating and while we're building and while we're trying to find that validation and making sure we have something that works, we can forget the legal aspect and then years later or even months later, it comes down to bite us when we get like a seed funding or something and then stuff happens. So definitely that is something to keep in mind. Okay, so we have Cynthia back. Cynthia, um, you were speaking about um, time and opportunity 
when you cut off and being just at the right time and presented with the right opportunities? Oh, yes. Uh, so about that. I, I didn't even know that that was long gone. Um, but <laughs> That's fine. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly where I stopped, but I, I think I'll just do like a summary, right? So there is time and there's chance, there's the opportunity, right, that we all need to like acknowledge, right? A, a really fantastic book called Unfair Advantage really, um, you know, threw more light into that, saying that every single person has that unfair advantage that helps, you know, you know, propagates the the effect of that particular idea or product that you have. So we have, you know, the case of Snapchat, you know, he was born into a very, very wealthy family. And so there was funding to be able to push um, the brand. There is the fact that Bill Gates' father is a very well-known and respected lawyer in his field, right? You know, there is the fact that the founders of Evite were, you know, happened to study computer science at Stanford in the, in the, in the dot-com bubble, right, when there was a lot of funding going into into um, startups. And if you, if you now say that you're, a, you're an undergrad from Stanford, they're definitely going to want to throw money at you, right? So every single person has this unfair advantage. For example, um, the founder of this really beautiful, um, I think it's, it's a, I forgot the name, but it's a male, it's a male shaving stick, but majorly for black, black, um, black men, right? It was sold to, I think it was sold to Unilever, right? But yeah, the, the entire story around how he discovered the idea was because he, he's black, right? And there wasn't a lot of options for black men when it comes to like shaving stick, right? And so he discovered that just because of, you know, the time, the opportunity that he had, the unfair advantage that he had of you know, being black. And he built a really fantastic company that was sold for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So there's that effect of time and chance that we all need to acknowledge and we just need to say, what is that unique unfair advantage that we have that can help push um, this brand? If, take, for example, Chooks, the unique and unfair advantage I had was because of the fact that he has experience, right? He's, in, he's been in the industry, and so he was able to discover that problem. And that is an unfair advantage for another person who probably have the same idea, but will never be able to turn it into an innovative product because of that, of that factor. So yes, um, I think it's really important for us to take note of that in as much as we're studying models and frameworks and systems and tools, there is the factor of time and chance. Yeah. All right, great. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, Charles, do you want to weigh in before we dive into... Um, some possible mistakes. And I actually have um, a question that someone asked and it would be great to make that distinction if there is one, if you feel there is one in your perspective. So um, Charles, do you want to weigh in on ideas to um, innovative products? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I will. Um, in fact, I, so what, what I'll do is I'll share a tweet right now. I just did. So I did, um, we wrote an article on the 21 steps we took to build Biz up, right? From, the point where it was just an idea to it fu being fully launched. So I think people um, in this space will find it helpful. We broke every single step down from um, giving it a name to like the logo to regist registering the business to creating a bank account to like sketching, writing out the, the idea, like documenting it, everything 
um, we already covered in that particular article. So if you if you're looking to build a product, you might find some of these steps in there very helpful. Um, just for the sake of time, I wouldn't um, just so that because I see that we have other things to discuss. I will just leave that. I'll just stop there. If people have other specific questions regarding this, I'll be happy to address it. I mean, I've I've, thought, I've built like six, seven different products, like from idea to launch. So I have a bit of an experience in in this particular topic, which is one of the reasons why I was very, very happy to join this conversation. So I'm happy to address any question people have regarding this. But I'll just leave it at this for now and so we can move on to other things. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Um, so um, I do want to hear Nathan's perspective and he's been having um, a bit of trouble connecting and he, um, so he's tra- he's connecting right now, but then someone raised the question that I think is also very um, interesting. Okay. Nathan, can you speak right now? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can hear me, right? Yay. <laughs> yes, we can hear you. Great. Great job. Okay. So we want to hear your own perspective. Idea to innovative products. Definitely. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I would, I would I'd actually love to hear the question again. I've been trying to connect him for the past 20 minutes. Okay, sorry, say what you said again. You didn't hear the question, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So we're talking about yeah. turning um, creative ideas into innovative products, and we're talking about in your perspective and with what you did with class, what is that process that you need to go through to go from idea to creative products? Ideas are everywhere, right? But how? What do you? What steps do you take to get to innovative products, especially? And um, you can cite your experience with class as an example. And we've ha- heard different things from different speakers, which I'll summarize in just a bit. But that's pretty much kind of like what we want your take on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I think in, you know what everyone thinks about building an innovative product you know it's like there's this eureka moment when like you have this big grand idea and you've figured out everything but i i think the real best way to really build something truly innovative is is is, is just to start you know and it's a long gradual process so with class um just to give an example what classes today was not even what I, I I originally had an idea for, you know. So an idea class when I was in, in high school, I was in that school, and I had just lost my eye. So I, I became half blind when I was on my 15th birthday. I was out of school for five months. And during that period, I wanted to kind of find a way to teach physics online. And that was how I I, I stopped on, on the idea for class, you know. I was like, okay, how can I make life, life learning really easy? Because I, I didn't know how to record and a video for the and the rest and there was no platform out there that truly made it easy to create and host live classes you know so but at that point i was thinking of okay is there a platform for blind and visually impaired people you know and that was actually how class started like like idea and over the um um, um, um the years now i'm, I'm 19 I was I just kept um, iterating it and iterating it in my head until I officialized actually built it just last year December. So I, I don't think um, building um, in, um, innovative products. You see products like um, okay, let's start from a market here, this stack. Then you go out there, you see products like Airbnb, Stripe, and so on. You know, 
there wasn't this singular Eureka moment. And I think that is what um, a lot of people wait for. You know, they are waiting for that one moment when they just have this big idea and and um, it's going to change the world. No, you know, it's, it's a really long process, long, gritty process. It's not as cool as it may look in movies or in or, or in books. So I think um, that is um, 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 one main points really if you're looking at turning ideas into innovative products you need to really understand that it's a long process and you need to be ready to go through that process great points thank you so much nathan um okay so this brings me to the question and i think a bit of as nathan was talking it came to mind as well um someone asked um basically someone's perspective is that um the product the idea can come from, it can just be an idea or it can come from a problem you are trying to solve in the marketplace. So case in point would be something like um, Nike or Apple, where they, wasn't it just like, was it not just like a brilliant idea that they had and created a need for it in the marketplace or were they actually solving a problem and a gap that existed in the marketplace? Do you get what I mean? And based on those two, um, like whether you have an idea that you create a need for or you have a, there is a need and a problem that you are solving, will there be a difference in the approach from going from creative idea to innovative products? So I don't know if the question, my question is clear, but I um, the, let me just restate it in the way that I understand. So basically, um, the idea for a product can come from two ways. So either you, are, you see a need in the marketplace, there's a gap and you're trying to um, create a product to fill that gap, or you just have an idea, a brilliant idea that you think that would work and you may need to create a need in the marketplace for that idea. Case in point would be Apple, Nike. There were shoes already, but Nike came with a different perspective. There were phones and laptops already. Apple came with a status thing. So in your opinion, and this is like open to the speakers, you could just like raise up your hands if you want to answer and give your perspective. Would the process of going from idea to product um, in that, with that in mind be a bit different? When um, So either you're creating a need in the market based on an idea that you have, or you are um, basically have discovered a gap in the market and are trying to um, fill that gap. So what do you guys think? All right, so I see Charles. Charles, you can go ahead. All right, thanks. Um, So as someone that has tried a lot of ideas and brought a lot of them to life, um, I've seen that there needs to be a, a different process, right? Whether you, you 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 just think of an idea, maybe you're you're in you're in the shower, right? And you just have this brilliant idea, and you think, wow, this is going to be a great startup idea. Let me go for it, right? Versus you notice something um, that is a problem and decide to solve it. Um, I think the latter um, is the ideal approach, right? And the easier approach, especially regarding if, if you want to get traction very quickly. That's why people that are um, in an industry seem to come up with really good solutions because they've um, immersed themselves in the problem. They, they, they have like first-hand experience with that problem. They are right in the midst of the people that are having this problem. So when they create a startup to solve that problem, it becomes... Um, it's it's easier to move forward, right? Versus something that might be a really, really great idea, but you then build a product and start looking for people that have the problem, 
rather than see the problem and build a product to solve that particular problem. Um, so I've, 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 I've used the two approaches and there's a significant difference, right, in terms of how quickly people can connect with what it is that you're doing. Uh, many of the very first set of ideas I tried out were those that um, I just thought of something and figured, okay, you know what, let me give it a shot, right? Um, but then when I started when I started working on products that I myself had experienced the problem or I had a number of people around me that had experienced the same problem, it was definitely easier to sell, especially if you plan to bootstrap for a while or you plan to make money from day one. Um, you definitely want to go the route of solve a problem that is already existing rather than create a product first and start looking for people that have that particular problem. That's my perspective. Thanks. All right. Great, Charles. Thank you so much. Um, so there needs to be a different approach. Um, Cynthia, I see you want to have um, weigh in on this. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, I mean, just that out there, right? The ideal approach is that you, you know, come from the angle of a problem and the need, right? Um, but even on the other hand, which is you have this idea that, you know, you feel should work and then you go for it, right? I would say, like, in the end, um, if you go, like, if you're going through that route, I think one of the major reasons why you become successful is if, um, one, you're able to, you maybe you're the type that is able to, like, you've seen the future, you've seen, like, a need that people would have in like the next five, 10 years, or you've seen a particular industry, you know, you, you've seen that this particular industry would evolve in this particular route in the next five to 10 years. And then that becomes like you, you, with that insight, you have an idea, right? Now, the thing about that is that time is now a factor. So I'll give an example for um, the founder of Leatherman Tools, um, Timothy he had this idea to build a tool where you can find a knife, you can find a screwdriver, you can find like five to six different tools, right? All together compact in a singular tool, right? So he had the idea, but it took 15 years for it to actually catch on. And that's because of the fact that it became a natural need in 15 years time. So in the end, you find yourself coming back to solve a, a, a real problem, like a real need. And even if you eventually launch, by the time you're trying to, you know, make changes, you know, and improve, you would find yourself having to come back to the need and come back to the problem. So even if you have a fantastic idea, you want to be able to um, put that against like an actual customer or a need that you feel um, exist or would exist after a period of time. So either route is the same. Just know that um, one route is easier and the other route might need you to start thinking a bit differently about how you approach the solution. You might head on to start you know, building the idea or building the product, but it would probably take you a longer time for it to catch on. But if you have things like the advantage of influencing people to see what you have seen, right? Like in the case of Steve Jobs, right? You're first able to see that, you know, that you've seen the future. 
And this is something, this is a problem you're, you're going to have. So you might as well start thinking about the problem right now because I have a solution for you. So yeah, pretty much. All right. So I think, um, Zan, did you have anything to add while we wrap up? We had a few people wanting to speak just before it um, cut off, but that's fine. Do you have any um, things you want to say about like um, turning creative ideas into innovative products and just that process? Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Just confirm you can hear me. Yes, yes, we can hear you. Fantastic. So, yeah, it's quite unfortunate that the... They, they got caught up. But anyway, I think for me, in my own opinion, ideas evolve, right? It's just like a child that, you know, starts out um, crawling, then learning to walk, or learning to run. So um, I think the most important thing is actually getting into action. Like, you know, the Newton law of motion, which is the body that stays at rest, stays at rest, except acted upon by an external force. So the moment you get into the um, idea being formed and it keeps getting refined and definitely, I think, which, which is where Karen mentioned that the legal side comes in. Because sometimes in, in, in fleshing out an idea, talking with people, it becomes more refined because insight coming from people. So, But also, you could, you could also stand the risk of it, you know, being taken from you. But at the core of it is being, giving yourself the permission to birth the idea, you know, and I've met a lot of people that have great ideas, but they just don't start. You have to give yourself the permission just to bring it to life. And, and that's just by simply getting to action. I love what Chooks was saying about, he saw the idea came from um, a problem that he himself was experiencing. And I think at the core of it, most um, great founders are people that are looking for um, solutions to problems that already that they see and they experience, and they know that there is a sizable amount of people that have this same challenge too. And um, yeah, so this is my own perspective on ideas. Leave, give, let them evolve. It's going to take time, you know, And um, but just give yourself permission to just take action. And even if you fail, you're still a learning, learning call from you. But birth, birth it first. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I really love um, what you said about it's going to evolve. And I think Nathan touched on that. Like the first idea didn't end up being the current, the, the, what the current product is. And so just give yourself, um, allow yourself to evolve, um, allow your, yourself and the idea to evolve to fit that need in the marketplace or what you see um, is needed in the marketplace. All right. So um, I see we do have someone wanting to talk. I see Tola Mebude. I guess um, Tola has a question. So I'm going to, let Tola um, ask it. I think we do have quite a number of the speakers here. So Tola, you can unmute and ask your question. Okay, so while Tola is connecting, thanks you guys for joining us. And um, Tola, yeah, you can go ahead and speak. Yeah, well, I, I just joined and I was still listening to the first space before I noticed it crashed. So I decided to join over to the second space. Um, I'll just oh, okay. listen for a while before I talk. Thank you. Okay. I saw your hand. I saw you requested to speak. So I thought that you had a question. Yeah. All right. We're actually pretty much, we're actually pretty much done. I will just ask um, Charles and Nathan to just kind of speak about, um, just to wrap it up, um, just on the other side. So we've talked about how do you go from ideas to, um, how do you go from ideas to, um, um, innovative products. Okay. What are some of the mistakes that um, people 
what are some of the mistakes that you find people that people make when they um, are going from ideas to um, what are some of the ideas that people make going through that process, um, especially founders starting out and wanting to like um, kind of like find their footing in the marketplace. What are some of the mistakes you've observed? So Charles, you can speak to that, Nathan, and also Dami as well. All right, thank you. Um, those that I, the mistakes I can already think of right now would be one, um, assuming that every tech solution needs to start with an app. Um, I've seen that many times you might be able to validate a problem through a lot more scrappy means. It might be like you might start with building a community on WhatsApp, for instance, or Telegram or something, just to validate the problem. You might do things very, very manually first, see, to confirm that there's actually a problem in there before deciding to build an app, um, rather than just assuming that, okay, I have an idea, let me look for a developer, or let me just start coding it myself. So that's one problem. Another problem is when you then decide to build something, failing to launch, a lot of people take too long to to actually execute right and until you finally until you actually launch everything is an assumption um so that's another mistake i've seen a lot of people make um third is really overthinking the entire thing um assuming that okay i need to i have an idea first thing i need to do is i need to i need to raise money or I need to be thinking of how this idea is going to scale, right? When you've not actually even validated the problem. So um, those are those are like three things I see very, very often. Um, overdoing it, right? Instead of thinking what's the simplest way to just get started. Um, taking too long to launch because you want it to be perfect when everything is still an assumption. And the third one, just overthinking the entire process instead of just figuring out what's the very next thing I need to do to make progress on this idea. So yeah, those are three common mistakes that I've experienced. Thank you. Yeah, those are, that's, those are very true. Um, Nathan, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think not um, having a, a, a technical co-founder, especially if what you're doing is kind of more tech-oriented, um, uh, um, you know, like is what so many startups do. Like if you can code yourself, it's really invaluable if you can get a co-founder who can code. You know, most most of um, um, founders they just have an idea and they go and pay outside developers. Is it's it may work in rare cases like Calendly, you know, but most often than than not, you know, it's it will just mess up the whole thing. So I think that is a really huge mistake that most founders do. Um, the second really is also not being mission driven. So a lot of people start um, startups to make money, you know, and when it gets hard, they give up because it, it, it gets really, really hard. Most people just see like TechCrunch or they see all the hype maybe on Twitter and all that, you know, all the, the glamours of being a tech founder, but they don't see the real hustle, you know, when you're like in the trenches <laughs> and hustling it out and, you know, those those really harsh, harsh times. They don't see that. So when it gets to those times, most people are really surprised, you know, by just how hard it is. 
and because they didn't really start their like like start off with any real mission like there's no real end goal outside just making money most people just give up so that is I, I would actually say it's one of the most important things to, to, to actually do. You must have one huge vision that everyone in the startup is working towards. To. Yeah, and I think the third one is just, you know, having the right distribution channels even before you, you actually start writing any code. So, um, okay, you've, you've had this great idea. Um, you have a co-founder, you've said to start it now do you know how to really get this out there and when i say get this out there it's not by doing paid ads it's not by um by like just announcing on twitter like there are certain distribution like um, um every product you know has kind of uh, um distribution channels that 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 they can that they can leverage to really scale fast you know okay like for example now class when um before i started i i knew that for us to really scale very fast we need to power life learning for you know online schools communities and now currently to we are also releasing our api to power life learning for other platforms this has helped us to scale in thousands like week by week now instead of targeting creators individually now we are getting users like in the tens of thousands just because of we 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 built out several um clever distribution channels that helped us to scale really fast without spending much money at all. We have never spent. Uh, oh, I think we kind of lost Nathan. Um, Nathan, if you can hear us, we can't hear you. So maybe, um, I guess it's maybe your internet. Okay, Dami, do you want to talk a bit about that? While well, we we'll see if Nathan comes back. All right, yeah. So just me, uh, for me, I just want to add one thing. I think so. One mistake I would say um, is not getting domain knowledge in that particular field or in that particular market. So, um, so as a founder, whatever the idea might be, whatever the product is, money um, on on any ad. Yes. So you need to constantly keep learning um about the product about the market and like surrounding things the policies and everything yeah just constantly keep gaining knowledge yeah thank you thanks Elodami. um okay so um Chubbs, do you want to speak to that i see nathan is back i think his internet is working out i'm trying to make him a speaker Chubbs, do you want to add to that while we get nathan back um, I was supposed to say something. I was supposed to address uh, a question about need creating a creating a product before looking for a market that that, that needs the product. And it was very important okay. for me to point out a problem that I had as film anatomy. And I'm sure Zion okay. can attest to this, right? So it is super important for everybody here to understand that this thing called need, right? You can write an entire book about it. Sometimes you are designing a solution that is solving a problem, right? But the reason why that person you are designing the solution for, the reason why the person will buy that product might be because there is a particular satisfaction that is even different from what you are designing the product to solve. It's possible that a satisfaction that that person is getting from that product. That's why they are buying it. 
so I'll use Film Anatomy and I'll use Nike, you know, as uh, examples. Nike was the, the founder of Nike was selling shoes from his from from his car. So he opens his car and starts selling shoes at maybe football games, basketball games, and it was like every other regular shoe company. But why Nike is what Nike is today is because Nike decided to sell a culture, the culture of just do it. So they they are selling that culture. You're not just buying the shoes; you are buying a cultural statement. So it's not just about creating a solution that will solve a problem, right? There is an innate sense of satisfaction that customers want to feel when they buy your products. Film anatomy, when, we st- when, when I started, I started making sliders. At some point, people were like, okay, she, she is just a slider. If you, you can just put your camera on it, it moves left and right, and you know, you're good to go, right? But people stopped buying. And I had to go back. Remember, I spoke about ideation and empath- empathizing with your with your with the problem and, and the rest. You know, I had to go back and ask myself, what is really the problem? And I decide, and I and within me, I found out that there was a sense of satisfaction that these clients or these customers needed. So I, I had to go back, you know, to restructure how I'm solving the problem I'm solving. And I came up with the idea of creative freedom. So you are buying film anatomy equipment, you are buying creative freedom. So what were the changes I made? I basically said, let the slider do do something another equipment would do. So the slider would take movement shots left and right and also take shots up and down. So I added an, I added a, a solution that another product would have offered to the slider. And that gave the, the client the sense of creative freedom. So I can do so much with just one equipment. So it's, it's it's very important for us to understand that needs the the it's 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 a big it's a big topic. So you need to you you need to make up your mind if you are truly selling just a product to solve it to solve you know okay let's say you're making a shoe that that your your client is going to wear or your customers will wear on their legs or are you selling a cultural statement? Are you selling you know? So it's 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 I'm sure Zion will be able to explain more. But you need to really understand that the needs are different and one one particular product can solve countless needs. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Chooks. And I think one point that we've gotten from everybody is kind of like need, the need to be really obsessed with understanding your market and being very, very clear on what you are doing, whether it is um, solving an existing problem in the marketplace or if you are going from an idea that you had, but really, really just Understanding the market and how to position what you have is really, really critical in actually having a product that does really, really well. Um, okay, so I think we have Nathan back. Nathan was talking a bit about um, being mission-driven and if not, you get um, a bit discouraged. And Nathan, um, I also want you to touch on something. So I know that you also um, were able to do a bit of fundraising. You recently raised funds, about $130,000. And I just want to... You need to talk about how class was able to, how you're able to do that with the class idea, just a bit before we kind of like round up. Yeah, sure. You can hear me, right? Yes, I can hear you. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Um. Yeah. So, I started building class like like officially now, um, December last year, and we actually launched the the first version of class, which was really scrappy. You know. It was just a bunch of integrations here and there, and they weren't even done well. 
but at least it was able to validate that okay yeah there's a real problem here and we 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 launched the first version of class that same december and i was able to just get um some traction so the, um, um before then i've been friends with Tola from splits you know um since august last year and i connected to him on on linkedin i just used to to chat him up and ask for advice and all that you know and I and I remember on the 26th, he just called me. He was like, "Bro, you, you know, you want to raise around um, LNSD? I was like, "Yeah, sure. That sounds cool, you know." And um, January next day, we start building the second version of class, which is the current one right now. You know, where we build everything now from scratch, our own virtual classroom tech. So we stopped using Zoom. We, we built our own payment solution, our own everything, basically. You know, and. That took us three months to build, so we finished building it in March. And as soon as we launched in beta, that was the same time that we also um, raised the round. So at the time of raising that um, round, we only had 2,500 users, which is incredibly small, to be honest, compared to what we have now, where we have over 40,000 users. You know? and, and we were... The, the main reason we were able to raise that round so far, so the whole round was closed in, in, in three weeks, you know, and we, we only got one no in the entire round because it was basically like Tola brought Nad, Nad brought just like that, till the round finished, you know, and one of the main reasons that, that the, this round went really, really smoothly was, was mainly because of the product itself, you know, like... Um, we made sure that we, we had finished and launched that product in beta before we started that round because we knew how, um, like, like if we could prove that we could build something that is so technically challenging without any money at all. So as at this time, I, I just made the rather stupid decision at the time, you know, to drop out when I had no cash and I was using the money I would have used for my, for my um, university like for my um, allowance fee investing to actually pay the um, the little engineers we had and and all that you know so what I w I was now able to do to doing this one was basically just convince like okay see we have like two thousand five hundred users and they were able to actually see the actual product so a, a trick that I was using was when it was time for the for the funding call you know instead of having it in Zoom I'll be like you want to check out class and uh, and they'll be like yeah you know. And instantly, right there, I'll create a class, share the class invites, and they will join the class and we'll move the meeting over to class where they will be, it will not be hosted inside a virtual classroom. All this took like, like two minutes. So they were so blown away by the technology that we had built. And it's, it really helped a lot, you know, in, in, um, in, in, in proving that, yeah, these guys are, can, can at least build the product technically, you know? So, um, I think that one thing that really helped us in this round, just to summarize um, and briefly, was first of all, networking. If I, I didn't have a, 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 a real relationship with Tola before then, there was no way I would have raised this round. No. Like most people, they, they connect to all these guys when at the exact point where you want to raise round and start asking for money. Like that is not really how it works. You know, one of the best advice I got um, from the founder of Be My Eyes, who is, who is a close friend, it was like, ask people for money and they would, they would ignore you. But ask people for advice and most often than not, they would eventually give you money. 
you know so like creating that real real um, um network like is really really important if you want to raise any cash from like do any fundraising it's important you, you create real relationships with these investors like three to six months before you know don't mention anything about fundraising just just trying to network is really important second thing that really helped me was linkedin you know people really don't understand the power of linkedin class was built on linkedin you know all our early customers our partners you know the um, fundraising everything started from from linkedin so really um um use linkedin to the fullest and just reach out you know like most times people would would would, would reply if you just reach out you know and i think the fourth thing is like build your product before you do any round before you do any round you know you have to build your product and get at least instruction that shows that you can do it you know at the time we only have we raised the entire 130k round with just 2500 users that is really small compared to what some startups like 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 we will have in terms of users but cannot raise that that amount you know and that was that was because we 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 also knew how to sell the sell the mission you know like for at class the big mission we're trying to do is unlock the power of life learning globally it's a really really big mission and, and one that if we succeed um you know this can unlock billions of 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 dollars in value and can change the future of learning forever so i, I think these are just some points that that um, people just have to um, understand um, when you're doing fundraising and also the, the 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 cliche that your age matters all that doesn't matter you know if i was able to raise this at 18 i've never worked before i have no work experience nothing you know i i, I even have no engineering experience you know i just learned how to code six months prior to to, to raising this round and, and building class so if I was able to raise that with basically no experience whatsoever. Then I think anyone can actually raise, um, um, do a successful fundraising if they plan, plan well. Great, great points, Nathan. Thank you so much, and thank you everyone for joining. Thank you to our speakers. Um, Tola, I see your hand. I see you requesting to speak. Um, I'm going to let you. I guess you may have a question or some comments. I'm going to add you on now. Um, but we're about rounding up. Thank you so much to our speakers for joining us. It's been a great discussion, very enlightening. Um, okay, Tola, you're a speaker now. Do you have a question? Or... Hello, Mr. Um, I wanted to ask a question on, um, and I and I guess this is for Mr. Charles. I I wanted to ask. Um, how do you promote some of your your products? Um, do you do both online marketing and um, offline? Do you knock on doors? Do you um, do you leverage on building a community online or something, or just do all around um, marketing for some of your products? And Mister um, Nut, I sent you a message. I would like to connect. All right, Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, in terms of the product, because the products generally, uh, because they vary, um, the marketing approach is different, right? Um, so I've explored communities, explored social media, explored SEO, 
um, even ads. Um, there are even some that I've not pushed as much as I, I know they, they should be pushed um, for different constraints like cash. Maybe you're looking at, okay, let me let me do a little bit of work before I start to push this one and stuff like that, right? So it always depends on the specific product and where the target users are, right? So there's no like one-size-fits-all approach to marketing products. I hope that um, addresses your question. Yes, it does. All right, thanks. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you to Zion, Charles, Cynthia, Karen, Dami, Nathan, Chooks. Um, it was great to have you on here. Lots of nuggets, lots of exciting conversations. Thank you to everyone who listened. And um, yeah, so we will see you in two weeks for our next Twitter Spaces. Um, have a great evening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative, and keep building those dreams. Until next time, bye.